And you will always be my queen. Is that all I am to you? Danny chooses fear because her nephew won't make out with her. This is spoilers. I think it was a little more than a make out. I think she was. I think, I think she was a little lonely at Dragonstone. <laughs> Stevie and I are both from Elkhart, Goshen area in Indiana. We know a little bit of something about being lonely, don't we, Stevie? Yeah, I mean, we're like skeleton crew on what's put probably the most divisive episode ever. Do we want to address that? Like, Mikey's working. Jordan has work late sometimes. Brett uh, upsettingly kind of had a beloved pet pass away today. Uh, Little Emmett, the most adorable bulldog ever. Yes, awesome dog. But Pappy is just kind of MIA. Pappy's in Minneapolis, his old stomping grounds. And I haven't heard from Pap since he got off the plane. He is the creator of spoilers. Do you think he's going to be cool with us going ahead with this two-man weave? We've done it before. We've done it before. Let's do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go. So let's get into Thrones here. Man, there's just so much to say, but I'm going to start with the plot and see where that takes us. Okay, Stevie. Alrighty. Okay, so um, it starts off with Varys' arc ending and... You knew he was dead in the first 20 seconds. You call, you called that last week, though, didn't you? Well, I wasn't on the pod. I haven't been on the pod since, like, episode... Two weeks ago. We haven't heard from Varys, really, in, like, two seasons. And all of a sudden, he's getting lines and camera angles? Mm-mm. He was dead. Why do you think they stopped showing him generally? Because I really enjoy his acting in that character, don't you? He was my favorite character for the first, like, four seasons. Like... <laughs> I loved Varys, and like the thing I thought was so incredible about the show was the Game of Thrones was being played by two men that were never going to get to the throne. Mm-hmm. Like that was what it, it's a medieval soap opera, so I enjoy the soap opera aspect of it. And they eliminated one eliminated one of those men, and now they just like shelved him for like three seasons. It was very upsetting. He is the subject of many of the deep web reddit theories about this series and i wonder what a lot of those people that have been theorizing about this for 20 years thought about his arc like he's truly a good guy i think is what's revealed like he's just trying to get less people killed yeah i mean even like when you think he's a bad guy in the earlier seasons like it's it's pretty like you find out in season five and at the end of season four like he wants what's best for the realm and I think he realized pretty early on in season one, Ned Stark was not best for the realm. I think he was <laughs> wrong there, but... <laughs> yeah, uh, so he gets killed, Stevie, because I think he wanted to supplant Danny with John, And John says for the 20th time, I don't want it about the throne. <laughs> They say every time a Targaryen is born, the gods toss a coin and the world holds its breath. I still don't know how her coin has landed. I don't want it. 
<laughs> and Tyrion t- tattles, and we can move into Tyrion like Danny gives him this very ominous speech here. What do you think about the most clever man in, in all of Westeros just being like a total like turncoat tattle? I think Pappy brought up a point. I don't know if it was three weeks ago or last week, but like Tyrion hasn't done anything clever or helpful for a long Since time. Since season four. Yeah, what's the We are now in that? season eight. The showrunners had no idea what to do with Varys and Tyrion. Like, Well, think about this. <laughs> like, Tyrion peaked in season four. Like, mm-hmm. and that's like when he went, he was like shipped away on the uh, boat with, um, with Varys. And that was really like the end of what was like the most compelling character in the show. I think that those kind of characters, and this is actually just hitting me. This is not in my notes, but characters like Tyrion and Varys and Littlefinger who are plotting deeply and kind of like ahead of the chess game. That takes some serious thought out writing. And I think it's pretty clear to everyone at this point, seasons five through eight, D&D weren't really... Not deep. <laughs> they were not, <laughs> not planning on doing that. Not writing. <laughs> no. So therefore, Littlefinger's like, he just leans against walls to show that he's kind of whispers in his voice. <laughs> <laughs> and Tyrion, did. They, they couldn't figure out anything for Tyrion to do. Like, we had this moment in the thread, Stevie, where you were like, well, Josh, what would you have liked to see happen? And I wrote out this huge manifesto, but I think Tyrion should have infiltrated the keep himself or like taken out the scorpions. He knows that place better than anybody. Him and Varys like, definitely do, yeah. Like they know ins and outs like from like the red keep down to flea bottom. They know that city. And it had been real compelling that like the people that wanted to see him dead, he was going to save again. If he had just infiltrated and started ringing some bells or some other crazy stuff, instead of just, like, walking through dust. We wanted what you want, a better world, all of us. Varys as much as anyone. But it doesn't matter now. This entire episode is just him <laughs> looking scared and, wa- and, like, literally wading through dust. It was I, I hate it. He has a reason to be scared, because what I was getting at a minute ago is... Danny says, like, you've effed up twice. <laughs> Three strikes are out, buddy boy. And he goes for the a home run very next thing because he's trying to free, like, a captive of war. Like, he's, uh, that's treason, right? Yeah. I'm still confused by this, like, so correct me if I'm wrong. Jamie fights at the Battle of Winterfell, helps, like, the whole place succeed, but he can't get into King's Landing because why? I think knowing Jamie, he must have just admitted that like he's going to be with Cersei, ah, dude. <laughs> Let's jump to that. Arc. They're like, hey, we just we just saw this war hero and we took him. It's like, huh? Yeah, like, hey, we just fought along like beside this guy because I don't know. Nine-tenths of our army should be gone. There's not a whole lot of us left. I recognize this man. Tyrion, like, like, how did they find you? And he holds up his golden arm. It's like, motherfucker, they know your face. There's like 12 of you left. He's like the most famous person in Westeros. (laughs) It just blows my mind. Okay, let's jump to this. This really bothers me. So episode four... Danny, according to D&D, just forgets about the Iron Fleet because plot, I guess. 
and Rhaegal gets shot out of the sky three for three. Like those scorpions, they shoot at him. They don't miss. They hit him like in the throat, in the tummy, and in the chest. Like they were on NBA Jam fire. And then all of a sudden this week, they can't hit a even bigger target in Drogon. They went straight Kyrie in the fourth quarter. It made no sense. I think that there was some unnamed hero of a pirate on one of those things just ringing it up. And something happened to him in the backstory, man. Larry, we should call him Larry Bird. Just Dude, like, he, was la- he was on fire. He didn't miss. He, he like, yeah, hit like the wing, the chest, and then he got like the money ball straight the through neck. the hoop, through the neck. Yeah, he got the neck, and then all of a sudden this week everyone's like, "How do these things work? We can't hit him." And Drogon destroys a thousand scorpions in a matter of five minutes. That is crazy. That, I think Dude, that's, that's a, just bad. That's just bad writing. This is a great segue though, because as Jamie <laughs> is released by Tyrion, uh, Euron is like the only person that swims to shore from the the fleet. As Pappy said a few episodes ago, in true Thrones fashion, he washes up the exact moment Jamie's walking by. So you have like the two rivals for Cersei's heart, so to speak. Here, well, that Cockney pirate uh, Euron. Who is he way cooler in the books? So I keep reading. I haven't read them, but I just heard like he's like into the dark arts. He's a little mystical. He's a he's, dark like, lord not, with like no fear and like He's not like this bumbling, like <laughs> sex addict drunk. The thought that Euron in the book would be satisfied that he like killed the Kingslayer is utterly ridiculous. Like he thinks he's a like a Norse god, basically. Yeah, you think okay, he thinks he's a god. That's cool. This would have been cool. So, like, he washes up to shore. One-handed Jamie Lannister gets punctured in the lungs twice <laughs> with a very, very large blade and yet still defeats Euron. That's how strong his love for Cersei is. I mean, honestly, and, like, he was, like, he was goading Jamie, like, I banged your sister. Ha-ha. Like, I don't know. I thought this was probably one of the weakest parts of the episode, didn't you? I already ripped on enough with pointing out Euron's inaccuracies, but Jamie runs into the keep. Um, so we'll just leave that arc alone for a second and we'll come back to the battle because Danny, uh, there's no plot device or like writing aspect, just seemingly the scorpions miss her, like you said, and like nothing can hit her. She's Larry got, Bird like, had the flu that night. <laughs> It's not Michael Jordan's flu game. It's the Larry Bird flu game. It's the Larry Bird flu game, so they can't hit Drogon. You've never heard of it. That's how bad it sucked. So, <laughs> the yeah, Drogon kills all the defenses. He blows up the gate. The Northern Armies, plus the Unsullied, plus the Dothraki, they go in. And- I don't mean to keep harping on bad writing, but there has to be consistency to each episode. And what was so compelling... After the long night was, they have no army left. Man may have survived, but Cersei has a severe upper hand. And they roll up to King's Landing like the same army they had for the long night. Did you notice that? I was like finding myself counting the Dothraki. Because I was like, I'm pretty sure they they only showed like four surviving. That they charge. showed four, like, running for their lives at a 100-meter dash sprint. Like, okay, those guys may have survived. <laughs> and then 
you go over to King's Landing where they're like beheading people and trying to rape everybody, and there's like a thousand of them. And it's not just them that's doing the pillaging and raping. It's the soldiers from the north. It's uh, Grey Worm throws his spear into some clearly unarmed soldiers. Yeah, that's kind of what kicks everything off is like all the soldiers are like seeing Danny with the dragon wipe out like all the scorpions. Like, you know, the golden army is done. And the Lannisters are like, Cersei is not worth this BS. I'm just going to lay down and we'll live to talk another day. And Grey Worm pulls a Night King and, I mean, he Uncle Rico's this spear into this dude's face. I love that shot, actually. It was a really cool looking It was scene. a very cool scene. Um, very cool. It just, uh, it, it However, pretty much the writing, kicks off all the fighting. The, the writing, though. <laughs> this is my biggest pet peeve with the episode in that everyone on this side of the north that was just coming from this huge battle between literally life and death they <laughs> just had death incarnate they just had a huge existential crisis and like went through it and they should be completely changed and to think everyone just i mean i get danny she's got to be the mad queen right but to think that this army after seeing what they've seen is just going to come into the city of the living they kind of just fought and laid their lives down for is like they're gonna just rape and pillage them and stab burning I people didn't, I didn't and, understand that at all it's like they just lost their minds and rape because of war like i understand bloodlust to a point and i think gray worm had that i mean he definitely had bloodlust on his mind but like really like all these like simple folk from winterfell who like are tired they don't want to fight anymore. They literally just watched all their loved ones and friends die around them. Like, oh yeah, let's start killing all these people, like women and children for no reason. And this is John's plight, too, is to be the point of view of being like, oh, this is so <laughs> messed up. This is oh. bad. <laughs> this is bad. Father would not have liked this. <laughs> <laughs> they show the slow motion shots and you're just like, oh... Yeah, I mean, so I'm going to kick it to you. He doesn't want it. He doesn't want it. I don't want it. John, <laughs> I don't want to kill you. <laughs> Drogon and um, Danny, kind of mowing down the city of just flame. <sighs> what was your take on that? Just that it was like too easy and the dragon's OP again. Yeah, I mean, especially because it was just Drogon, and, like, I kind of go back to that Rhaegal thing. It's like, that dude got Larry birded out of the sky in two seconds. Someone had to put up somewhat of a fight of Drogon, or otherwise his lore is just the baddest dragon that ever lived. Yeah, I I hope that next episode has, like, consequences for this choice that Danny's made. I'm sure it will, but, like, I agree. I just think it goes back to the inconsistency of the Scorpions. Like, that's why it sticks out so much you go three for three then oh for three thousand then even in the previous season what are the odds (laughs) yeah dude those things have been set up to have like pretty good accuracy accuracy and the full city of them yeah and can't hit the biggest target you've ever seen because of plot could that have been like a Tyrion moment to be like, Danny, I've been studying dragons my whole life. Do some of these maneuvers so that these spears won't hit you. 
I mean, it just didn't jive with me. Like, it, it just became too easy. And I think, I mean, everyone has seen that, yeah, she's becoming the Mad Queen. But it has, like, rapidly amped up. I don't know. Her becoming the Mad Queen, I don't think really, it really wasn't earned throughout the past two seasons. Yeah, but people online have been pointing out, like, look at all these breadcrumbs. She burnt this woman. She burnt this burnt building. Burnt bad people? Just because there's breadcrumbs doesn't mean it's good writing. And, like, I think there's no... And there's also breadcrumbs of you're not your, you're not your father. You're not your father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it goes both ways. I don't, so I don't, th- I don't think, like, her just, like, seeing a, you know, bells ringing and seeing the Red Keep is, like, I need to kill tens of thousands of innocents. That's kind of how they explained it in the post-episode. They're, like... She sees the castle, and it represents everything she, like, all her ancestors built this, and so she goes mad. First of all, that's pretty thin explanation. Second of all, she goes on to just destroy the hell out of it. <laughs> like, she wasn't preserving the Red Keep at all. No, and one thing I did like seeing, though, was the wildfire throughout the city. My question to you is, do you think Cersei had Kyburn put the, the wildfire th- like before they got there? Or was that like pre-wildfire that like the Mad King had left from a long time ago? There's no way to know with the way the show did it. I think they just <laughs> added in CGI cool effects. It looks cool in the episode. It looks great. Um, I think I said that was another place where Tyrion could have came in. He could have dispatch some folks to like move wildfire to certain strategic places so it wouldn't hurt as many people or something dad or just kind of like guarded off the city i don't know i don't know where are we at in the story i feel like we've gone a thousand places yeah i'm i I still got a pretty good handle on it um so i don't want it i never have as this are is this uh (laughs) i'll probably edit that out as this (laughs) This uh, fight wages on, and the dragon is basically like a nuclear bomb in the city. So everyone's like burning and stuff. And Arya and the Hound have made it to kind of the inner keep, I would say. And they're in the map room. Mm-hmm. This is this is probably one of the stronger scenes of the episode, I thought. Right? Easily. Yeah. I mean, these two have been rolling pretty deep together since what season three? End of season three. Yeah, but I mean, I think in the first episode you know the hounds part of that whole group that comes to the north and mm-hmm. they've seen each other since episode one yeah so the, i mean they pointed it out in the episode that their storylines really kind of symbolize each other in the past that they're on which both of them are out for revenge mm-hmm. the hound is obviously going deeper in he's like Arya. He pretty much gives her, like, the uh, Han Solo, I love you, I know type deal, where, you know, he's just like, you go any further, you're dying, and you're staying put, and that's when she calls him by name, not the Hound. Well, that was cool when she called him Sandor, I thought, too. Yeah. people don't usually call, call him that, but I also think that his message was basically, like, revenge isn't the way you want to live your life. You'll end up a burnt asshole like me. <laughs> Killing people for chickens. Killing people for chickens and, like, not caring about anything. And the hound continues on, and Arya leaves, and she's, like, showing to be a good person, I think, ultimately. But the hound goes up, and what proceeds to happen on the stairway that fans have been waiting for for a while get hype? Kyburn gets his head exploded! Obey your queen, Sir Gregor. 
No, that's not what I'm talking about. Dude, I've been waiting for that forever. I can't stand that, man. Clegan Bowl. Let's go, Clegane Bowl. Clegane Bowl. We have been talking about this for, what, four seasons? Three seasons? Five years. Oh, it's been... I'm not going to lie. Out of all the fan services, I'm happy they chose this one. I was so happy because I honestly thought uh, Sandor the Hound was going to get his head exploded like a grape tomato. Like just like, deaky, um, yeah, just like Martel did. Inigo Montoya. I thought it was like game over because the mountain. So is he a zombie in the books at this point or is that not written yet? Uh, He seems to be, but it's much more subtle fan theory. Yes, very subtle. All right, because I don't know what you thought about his look. I thought his look was dumb. You called him dumb. Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi. Darth Mountain. <laughs> he looked like... Dude, he looked so dumb. I understand... I, I don't know. I didn't mind the way he looked, but here is my problem with it. And, like, it was beautifully shot, and I love that they fought. It, it was very gratifying to see. But I thought it was kind of weird that he retains this memory and hatred for his brother. Um, but he can also be stabbed through the brain and live through it really confused i mean it's just magic i guess but i feel like germ would have wrote it with i don't know i don't know if i buy that this zombie has revenge in his blood to the point that he's like throwing his creator down a flight of stairs but i did love quiburn getting thrown down the stairs don't get me wrong obey your queen sir gregor When his head exploded out, I started busting up laughing just with excitement. I was like, yes, finally, that dude can die. It's kind of but, like a death scene out of like Mr. Deeds or like an Adam Sandler movie. It really was. It, w- it was so sudden. I was like, oh, good. He didn't get like a very impactful death at all. I was like, oh, Kyburn, you're just dead. It's like, fantastic. But what did you think about the d- the decision to really mirror the hound and Arya going through trials and tribulations at the same time because Arya is getting like blown up in the streets and getting trampled on and the hound is getting his ass kicked on the stairs going to the red keep like what'd you thought like they really mirrored each other what'd you think about it i think that's phantom menace syndrome in a nutshell uh okay the action's so strong with hound versus mountain you can I stick didn't on think that they scene. To cut it. Exactly. You don't need to cut away to draw this parallel. Like that scene before was so strong, you really didn't need that. And you're going to come back to Arya running through the streets anyway. Yeah, and it's confusing to me because D and D even talked about it on the long night when they said like nonstop action can get tedious, but really that fight could have been boiled down to like fifty to sixty seconds of just brute. You know, Rock'em Sock'em Robots action. I didn't think they needed to cut away from that at all. <laughs> that uh, scene culminates, and we're skipping a bunch of great parts because their fight is awesome. Go check out the episode. But it yeah. culminates with the Hound tackling him out of the window, and they fall Into to their death. Fire. Oh. Yeah, I guess they're falling into fire. That's great. But for the writers to say, like, we knew fire had to be part of Sandor's death and his sacrifice. But, like, he didn't die from the fire. He f- died from impact. Like, he didn't know the he, fire was out there. He fell a good brave- 200 feet. He wasn't bravely <laughs> jumping into the fire. He blindly fell through bricks into the fire. <laughs> 
that was not poetic, but it was a really he cool had, shot. He like, a quarter of an eye left. One of them was pushed into his brain. He could barely see. <laughs> he didn't know fire was out there. I was weirdly relieved when he could see a little bit out of one of them. It was Dude, I was feeling. so scared. I was like, please don't show his eyes gone. Please don't show his eyes gone. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Oberyn Martell's like head getting squishied like haunted me for a good two days. I killed her children. Then I raped her. Then I smashed her head in like this. It's like I never want to watch that again. It's pretty rough. So on Arya's end. There's really not much to go through here. She runs through the city, kind of like John did earlier, seeing the horrors that Danny has reigned upon the city. And she escapes on a white horse, who some say Bran sent. But either way, it seems like is a it Bran? biblical reference or something. I don't know. Whatever happened to Raisin Bran? What's he doing? I've not heard any Brancers for quite some time, but it seems like he could have been helpful when he's like, hey... John, if you tell your sisters a secret, King's Landing will pretty much be raised to the ground. <laughs> hey, like tens of thousands of people are going to like die. Just bang your aunt, man. Take one for the team. <laughs> We've been saying that all day. That's so bad, but so true. Like when she was seriously that off her rocker and you know what's coming down the next day, like, bro. She just like torched one of her most trusted advisors just give her what the woman wants i don't want it and you know what she wants she's made it quite clear she's quite lonely at dragonstone there's no misandi all the dorthraki are dead john you're the only one left i don't want it up next is circe she like once she finds out that the city is lost completely she starts to kind of retreat down through the red keep when the hound and the mountain start fighting, she like kind of cartoonishly like tiptoes around it and just leaves. Very and, Acme style. Yeah. She ends up in the basement and this is where Jamie, even though he has the two lung punctures or whatever, he he shows up. Do you think they were trying to redeem Cersei? I think a lot of people actually like Cersei and enjoy oh my it. Like, God. like they just love anytime she shows like any humanness. Like, that just gets some people, I think. That's not me. I like crazy villain psycho Cersei. But they kind of... Jamie and Cersei have this reunion where they're like, hey, we gotta keep going. You know, I have a canoe next to the man, next to that drunken pirate you've been banging for the next two, for the past two months. Um, I'm gonna get you out of the city. And so when they're going out, like, that rubble is coming down. That Barney rubble is blocking every exit. And... Uh, they pretty like soon realize they are gonna die, and that's when Jamie just embraces her and is saying like, "I love you. We're the only thing that matters to each other." And that's when they embrace. Is when all the rock comes down upon them. Nothing else matters. <laughs> Nothing else matters. Only us. You don't think there's any way they're bringing either of them back, or they survive, right? They're gone. Oh, gone God. Too. I mean, that's that's donezo. That's, you know, that's two million tons of of Targaryen rubble coming down upon them. They're done-done. 
people always make that thing saying like just because it didn't happen like you wanted well i think cersei has to live in my opinion but that's just me i think she's so bad that she's one of those characters that has to live it's hard to say i think most disappointing for me is that jamie like through his character arc to the wind yeah he he goes back just to die with cersei under the rubble i mean if that was the case, I wish they would have made more of a point to show how just truly miserable he was in life. I don't think they should have had him hooking up with Brienne. I think it should, or Bryn, or whatever her name is. I, I think. You think he should have turned her down? I think he just should have turned. Yeah, he should have just turned into like drinking Tyrion from like the earlier seasons and just like hated oh, I life. I love wine Tyrion. Wine Tyrion's the best. Yeah, he turns just into get- wine Tyrion. He just fights for the <laughs> living and then he's like, my job here is done. Might as well go die with my sister. Like, who I bang? Yeah, but I don't I, know. It, yeah. I think they could have they could have mirrored his arc, not even on the Cersei level, but the Kingslayer level. <clears throat> I think mm-hmm. they really could have done something with that, especially for the fact that like for a long time that name is like such a you know it's slander to him. It's like they call him the Kingslayer because you know he saved all those people, but no one really understands that. And him and, Tyrion, him and Tyrion's scene was so good, except for oh. when he's like, I don't care about the people. And it's like, dude, isn't that part of like your lore? Isn't that part of your arc? Like, Isn't that why like you're partly miserable? Because people call you the Kingslayer, even though you're like one of the greatest fighters ever. You saved so many people. It would have been so interesting had he had to choose like the people over someone he like he loved. Whether it be Cersei or, you know, say like Danny. You know, saving people from the fire again. It would have been a great way to close that out. It, yeah, it would have been. They, I don't want to get into like too much changing of the narrative, but ee, it was okay. It was okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm I'm being sincere though. Like the Tyrion Jamie last scene together, and Tyrion talks about how that was good. I got teary eyed. Not gonna lie. What happens at the end here? Like, not a whole lot. Um, I think Arya actually getting away on the horse is the very last thing they show, but like. The city's the in flames. I love what this director did, and I know the showrunners want to take credit for it, but I think this is all director. Like when they showed all the dragon points, like from ground level, I thought that was awesome, especially throughout the city. Mm-hmm. The cinematography and the action in these scenes is so good and strong and just chaotic. It was so much fun to watch. I think they should have cut to Danny close up like once though. I really wanted to see like what does mad crazed out Danny look like, you know what I mean? I'm sure they shot it and I'm sure they cut it for a reason. <laughs> Dude, I think her acting's been pretty good this season, honestly. It's probably the best so far out of all the seasons. People keep giving her so much crap. I'm tired of those jokes. I'm tired of the coffee cup jokes. I'm ready for the season <laughs> to be over. Stevie, St- do you Stark have a Bucks? yes or no? <laughs> I love Starbucks. Um, so, man, I am waiting for either myself or some internet. This is this is a no for me. Um, storytelling wise, it's the weakest of the season. Like by far, it's just like, hey, we had to get this done. Just throw it in there. I don't. They're just throwing baloney at a wall at this point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like something, some things are sticking, some things aren't. And this, I mean, even with how great the action was, and some of the acting is super strong, the writing is just so bad. And I think the only way you can make this episode work is if you present it out of order. 
I think that's the only way it works. Yeah, you said that in the thread earlier today. What do you mean by that? In my mind, you need to start that off that episode with Arya covered in ash, running for her life. Like, I don't think you show Varys like plotting in the very beginning. I think you show that like near the end. You know, I I honestly think you show this like completely out of order and just unstructured like the way that um, disassembling of the city was. It's from so many different vantage points. I think telling it chronologically was its biggest downfall. Because his writing is so bad, you have to show it out of order. They're not worried about doing anything creative here, though. I don't think. They just are mashing up these huge that, moments. I understand that, but it's, it's the, writing is, the writing is so bad. The way to mask that, though, was to honestly show it out of order. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I like what you said about, like, the acting being pretty like I think that's what Danny has been victim of the last season and a half actually his character is just poorly written and her lines are bad oh her double talk yeah her double talk is hard to watch and listen to and I think you start off the episode extremely dirty and scary and eventually get it to a clean point I think that's how that works best I think um, I think ending it on the Varus death and making it more impactful would have been a better way to do this episode than our, you know, dusty covered ashy Arya finding a horse. That's mm-hmm. my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Kind of like we're ending here. We're starting at the end. This is how crazy it gets, and this is how it all started. Work your way back. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot, actually. Um, I'll hit into my yes or no. I. It's been really weird the last two episodes to have the internet suddenly get on my side completely about <laughs> Game of Thrones. Something that rarely side. <laughs> something that rarely happens to me. In season five, there was a scene with Arya getting stabbed brutally in the stomach. Sweet girl. And she just like lived and was fine next episode no consequences and like something pinged in my mind that was like no source material for that and like this is just plot armor gone off the rails and like the in the show like i lost confidence in the showrunners then and <laughs> at this point like this episode is so full of action and it does have clegane bowl and um i was more than entertained during the episode when I'm just like mindlessly taking it all in. I'll give it a soft yes. But like I'm giving the last three seasons of Thrones a no. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like this the episodes sometimes when you can just take them as one-offs as pure entertainment. Um, this is Dude, pretty tough. you top-notch. lost faith way before I did. I lost faith when they went to go get the White Walker. And there was like seven of them that left to go do that. And all of a sudden, there was like 80 guys getting tackled by whites. It made no sense to me. <laughs> That's when I realized something real sinister is afoot here. Mm-hmm. George R. R. Martin always said that the Shire should have been burned and like the... I think it was burned in Lord of the Rings, but like should have been wiped. At the very end, it was. Yeah, but he's like, it basically should have been like... <clears throat> I guess let me rephrase that. George R. R. Martin, I think he really liked that the Shire was burned, but really hated that there's kind of just like... The king, ring was destroyed? Well, no, that like there's King Arag- Aragon, and he was just like 
a great king and everyone lived in peace for like a long time. And so I get that that's not the route that he wanted to go. It's not a fairy tale we're watching here. So it's interesting to see this plot out and I was entertained. So yeah. But anyway, one last thing before I sign off here, Stevie, Sir Barristan Selmy, um, <laughs> <laughs> the actor who plays him came out on a French interview in at some convention and said that George R. R. Martin told him book six and seven are finished and waiting publication once it's Sir Game Barristan of- is still alive. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm still alive in the books and book six and seven will prove it. <laughs> He was, he's, dude, he's a jilted lover, man. Like, you could tell when the producers, like, were having him killed, I think he, like, put some, like, dark sorcery over the set, honestly. He was a mad man. Ian McElhinney. Is that when him and Grey Worm were both stabbed by the Harpies? He's, like, overwhelmed and, like, it's so forgettable. He's one of the coolest characters in the books, but. He was also a super cool character in the first three seasons. Like, a lot of these characters. Super cool in the first three to four seasons. I'm going to put the chances of books six and seven being written at 0%. What do you say, Stevie? Oh, dude. So, <laughs> it would be the greatest middle fingers. Like, double up. Like, if George R. R. Martin had six, six arms, he would give all six um, fingers to the showrunners. Because I don't think they're in a good place right now if he had them done. So I want them to be 100% done. And I think <laughs> there's, I think everyone's Christmas gift this year is Winds of Winter finally being released. Also, I have one last thing to add. Did you, like, did you ever hear that shot that George took at the showrunners about, about the butler? Doesn't he have like a million shots at him? Fill us in. I'm not familiar with this one. So there's an interview that he gives, and it's, Honestly, one of my favorite things to roll because it's very true and a lot why, like, I think Reddit ruins TV shows personally. I think if Reddit didn't exist, TV fandom would be at a very much better place. Um, but he pretty much says, when you're releasing a story little by little and you find out that the butler did it along the way and you tried to change it to the chambermaid did it, the re- your story then becomes so unreliable and it makes no sense. So what that's what he thinks. What do you think he's in reference there specifically? I think it's going to go. I think he had it going down way different uh, than the showrunners gave us. And especially with John, I think it's a lot different with John. Mm-hmm. Cause you could tell like John was their golden boy until he peaked. And it's like, Oh, it'd be so obvious if we do this Reddit saying it'll be super obvious. We got to change it. <laughs> <laughs> we brought up Reddit earlier in this pod too. Reddit's a strong force out there yeesh dude it's i'm telling you it tv fan like i love reddit but tv fandom movies would be way better off if there was no reddit just saying i don't think we have a reddit spoilers account but we do have a reddit instagram a reddit twitter and um spoiler man is here to tell you all about it take it away spoiler man welcome back okay haven't talked all day And uh, so you get a nice, deep voice. Here we go. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. 
Our Instagram is Podcast Spoilers. It's lit. That was spoilers. Okay, hopefully that works for you.